service. Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. rock roll Hey guys, excited to be in your feeds today talking about Robert Blake. Just a quick heads up though that over in the Disgraceland feed, we've got a brand new episode on Mariah Carey, as well as a rewind episode from our archive on Derek and the Dominoes. Both are available right now. And I want to thank everyone for the amazing support of our brand new kids show, Music Land Stories, which is our collaboration here at Double Elvis with Starglow Media, our friends over there. Show cracked Apple Podcasts overall top 10 last week, which is not an easy feat, okay? These are the best podcasts on the planet. And uh, we're pretty proud that ours is in there. And I believe this is the first for a kids show. And as of the recording of this episode, it's still number one on the kids and family chart. So if you haven't heard this incredible show for the whole family yet, go check it out. Search up Music Land Stories and give it a follow. we got three episodes out so far. More coming every Tuesday. All right, let's talk some movies. Badlands listeners, are you here? Are you with me? Are you too tired to go to bed? Too riled up to stay home? I know I am. This is another podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Badlands, the rap party. the Badlands bonus episode, another thing we like to call the rap party. Just like that other show, this is a show that comes after the show. A voyage from one episode of Badlands to the other. The backlot breakdown of sorts. On this bonus episode, we are talking about Robert Blake. Plus my recommendations and your movie-focused voicemails, texts, DMs, and more. Badlands listeners, let's get into it. Welcome to the rap party. Let's dive right into Robert Blake. Robert Blake, Robert Blake, Robert Blake. Who is Robert Blake, huh? That's what you're asking, right? I'm gonna tell you. He's the kind of actor who had many lives. First, when he was a kid, as a member of our gang. Okay, going way back. Little Rascals, Spanky, those cats. Then in the movie adaptation of Truman Capote's true crime novel, In Cold Blood, which is a great adaptation. I might be alone in saying that, I'm sure back in the day when it came out, people hated it compared to the book, but it's awesome and Robert Blake is fucking great in it. Then as TV detective Beretta in the 1970s, and finally capping his six decade career with a truly bizarre and haunting performance in David Lynch's Lost Highway in 1997. But it's what happened to Robert Blake a few years after that final film in 2001, 
that Robert Blake is most notorious for now. It was on May 4th that year in Studio City, California, that Robert Blake's wife, Bonnie Lee Bakley, was found shot to death in the front passenger seat of Blake's Dodge Stealth. Blake was subsequently arrested, charged for murder, but then, well, it's all in our Badlands episode this week. And trust me, this is a super true crimey story. You got to hear it to believe it. 617-906-6638. Call me, leave me your voicemail. Send me a text. Speaking of which, it's the holiday season. Everybody's busy. We're going to get right into this. You guys know you can email me as well. Disgracelandpod at gmail.com. I want to do this email here. This one on our Benedict Cumberbatch episode from last week from Mark Woods, who writes in, Hey, subject, Cumberbatch error correction message. Jake should be 20,000 feet, not 20,000 miles altitude. 1654 in the podcast <laughs> from the 706. Mark, Mark, I appreciate you, my brother. Yes, that it was not supposed to be 20,000 miles. My bad. We shall get that fixed. This one from Lore Titley says, subject, Bourdain, message. Cameo on Archer Season 4. Seriously, nothing as delicious as his cheek. I was absolutely crushed when Bourdain passed and combined him into a tribute tattoo for past loved ones. It's a dagger with orchids and fish up my sleeve. I miss him, and it's still too hard to watch his content too much. Thank you for covering him. And this from Lore. We are covering Bourdain, as you guys might know. We're thinking about combining these feeds, the Disgraceland feed and the Badlands feed into one feed where we're telling mainly music stories, but all stories about icons. Anthony Bourdain being one of my favorite writers. The more I read Bourdain, the more I realize just how influenced I have been by his writing over the course of my life without even realizing it. If you asked me four years ago when I published my book who my influences were, I probably would have said something that I thought was smart sounding and vaguely truthful like Hunter S. Thompson. But when I read Bourdain, I'm just like, God, I've nicked so much from this guy without even realizing it. I hear it in the podcast as well. Not that I believe I can even, you know, sniff the same altitude as that guy, but I can't deny his influence on me. And I don't know what this episode is going to be, how it's going to turn out or what it's even really going to be about, but I'm deeply immersed right now. Just reread Kitchen Confidential. I'm reading Medium Raw. And uh, I got a bunch of other stuff queued up. And I, unlike you, Laura, I do have, I'm able to watch actually. It took me a while though. So I know what you're going through. It took me a while before I could dive back in. But now that I'm in and now that I'm consuming the content, I'm not just completely riddled with sadness over the loss of Bourdain. I'm actually finding a new gear to appreciate him in. And uh, I hope you can do that as well. And I hope maybe that my episode on him is some sort of conduit for that experience for you. All right, let's hope. Okay, let's do some voicemails. Got a ton of voicemails from you guys this week. Holiday stuff. Let's see what we got here. This one from the 778. Hey, Jake. It's Lulu calling from Vancouver, Canada. Hey, what's up? I just finished watching a Christmas movie. I absolutely loved it. It is called Single All the Way. It was really funny, really sweet. I'm into all the Christmas movies. The only ones I can't watch anymore are a Hallmark. Long story. Don't get me started. Love what you do. Also, I love the disturbing brewskis to questionably legal individuals working on your property. Keep it going. They deserve it. Happy holidays. Love from Canada. Bye. Hey, Lulu. Thank you for the voicemail. Um, I believe you said single all the way and not jingle all the way. The Arnold Schwarzenegger film, right? Um, and I love that you, uh, I love that you're here for me, uh, 
distributing the alcohol in the neighborhood to the to the workers. They're working hard. They need it. I love that you appreciate that. All right, call back whenever you want. You get the fast track, Lulu. Have a good Christmas as well. All right, let's do this one from the 512. Jake, it's Catherine, and I'm from the 512, and I am a long, long time listener. Um, we've interacted a little bit on the gram. Um, I'm a, I'm a member in the Facebook group, you know, active not love it. Um, your Dorothy Stratton was so beyond, um, oh, so good, so good. I just can't stand it. Um, I just, the respect you give, oh, I love it. Um, but you were talking about James Elroy, and I just want to give a little shout out to Michael Connolly, who writes the Bob series novels. Um, it's an amazing television show. Um, I love it. Hey, Catherine, thank you so much for the voicemail and your longtime support. Stoked that you're into the Dorothy Stratton episode. Uh, we took a chance there creatively. We did something that we don't normally do in the way that we produced it. And I'm happy to hear that the reaction from you and others has been positive. And yeah, I hear you jumping to Michael Connolly from my James Elroy rant. I have not seen Bosch, but I was thinking about this this weekend because Gone Baby Gone was on and I made the mistake of watching it again. And I say that lovingly because the movie's great. It's phenomenal. The writing is great. Ben Affleck wrote the shit out of that movie. But it's dark. The end, particularly, is so dark. And it fucked me up for a good 24 hours after that. But isn't the actor, the guy who plays uh, the mustache dude in Gone Baby Gone, isn't he the main actor in Bosch, the TV show you're talking about? I think he is. I think he is. Anyways, appreciate you, Catherine. Call back. All right? Talk soon. Have a good Christmas, good holiday, whatever you're celebrating. I hope you're having fun. All right, this one here from the 505. Hey, Jake, this is Milady from 505, and I'm thrilled you're into British thrillers. The mother load of them, which is like a Star Trek franchise or a Star Wars franchise, is called The Inspector Morseford. Came out in the 80s, was so successful, they did a sequel with Lieutenant Lewis, who was his assistant at the time. That was a smash series for them. So then they came up with a prequel called Endeavor, which tells the Inspector Moore story, making his way through the Oxford, England Police Department. All three seasons and characters are very unique. Once you get into the Morse universe, you can never leave. I would start with Endeavor, the prequel, move to Morse, and then go start watching Lewis. Happy viewing. Bye. All right, milady. Thank you so much. I've seen Inspector Morse, uh, the title, not any of the uh, the series, none of these from the Inspector Morse world that you mentioned. But uh, I've been curious about it because it looks fairly iconic and uh, I've read about it a little bit before. So now I love that I got the roadmap here. Thank you so much. And is your name really Milady? It's, uh, <laughs> that's incredible if it is. It's a great name. All right, you guys, 617-906-6638. Let me know what you're watching this holiday season. Let me know what you're into, okay? You can text me, you can leave me a voicemail. I'm gonna take a quick break back in the flash, read some texts. 
All right, we are back. 617-906-6638. The 862 writes in, Merry Christmas, Jake. Favorite Christmas movies, Just Friends, Ryan Reynolds and Anna Ferris. Funny as hell. Christmas Carol, Alistair Sims, best version in black and white. Bell, Book, and Candle, remake of I Married a Witch with Kim Novak. Hmm. Many more, but those are my top three. What, what an interesting list. I haven't heard of the, the last two here, Christmas Carol, the Alistair Sims version, by the way. Of course, I've heard of a Christmas Carol, but that version I have not. Bell, Book, and Candle with Kim Novak. No idea what that is. And uh, I saw Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds and Anna Ferris years ago, and I remember really liking it and laughing pretty hard at it, so I will check that out. 660 writes in, in response to our discussion here about Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown, the Nicaragua episode, also read his noir novels. Gone Bamboo is awesome, but Bobby Gold is my favorite. Quick, fun read. I wondered about Bourdain's fiction, if it's any good. I imagine it's great. I uh, haven't read any of it, so thank you for that. 814 writes in favorite holiday movies. There are several old school staples in my house. Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, Elf are a few, but a recent movie called Violent Night has made the list. We watched it three times last year. Can't wait for number two. Violent Night, I saw that. That's what the dude from Stranger Things. I saw it. I didn't see the movie. I saw it listed and I wondered about it. I'll check that out. Maybe. I don't know. That's the type of thing. It looks like I got to find time to watch it when my kids aren't around. 915 writes in, uh, yo, Jake, Jim from the 915 talking about Christmas movies. Have not heard anyone talking about the four Christmas movies that Shirley Temple did back in the 1930s. <laughs> well, 915, there's a reason you haven't heard anyone talking about that because it was in the 19-fucking-30s, man. But anyways, I wanted to read the text here. She did Captain January, Heidi, and Little Miss Bright Eyes. Those are some of them. And I know she made over four films Season greetings from the 915. I think you meant to say 40 films. I'm, I'm probably not going to watch the Shirley Temple stuff on purpose. Maybe if I my kids were into it, but I don't think they are. They like Shirley Temple drinks. But uh, you know what I do do, though? I put Turner Classic Movie on the channel, the network. I put it on on Saturday mornings, and they usually have old kids programming on. So I bet you, I bet you one of these comes up. I'll let you know if I come across it. Appreciate the text. This one from the 207. Hey, Jake, Brian from the great 207. You've been teasing a William Burroughs episode, and I hope it comes to fruition next season. Wanted to throw out there to check out the animated short of Junkie Christmas directed by Francis Ford Coppola, done in collaboration with Kurt Cobain. Not the typical Christmas story. Definitely worth a watch. Happy holidays to you at Double Elvis and all the discos out there. Happy holidays to you as well. And thank you for this recommendation, reminding me that Kurt Cobain did indeed collaborate with William S. Burroughs. I did not know it was for anything with Francis Ford Coppola. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I really appreciate you hipping us to that. And yes, the Burroughs episode is in the works as we speak. It's on the schedule. I'm moving on to that shortly after Anthony Bourdain, Hunter S. Thompson, and then... William S. Burroughs, okay? 425 writes in, Hey Jake, happy holidays. Julie from up Seattle way. Just want to comment on my favorite Anthony Bourdain episode from Parts Unknown. The one where he does the Cajun Mardi Gras is hysterical. Love both your shows. Rock on, brother. You got it, Julie. I remember that one vaguely. I don't, I can't, I actually don't remember it, but I will now I'm going to check it out. I appreciate that, Julie. 716 writes in, good morning, Jake. I love Christmas movies. All the nostalgia, the family dysfunction. It warms my heart this time of year. However, it is not the holidays until we watch Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas at my house. Love, love, love it. Happy holidays to you, your family, and all the Disgraceland fans, Badlands fans, Nicole in Buffalo. 
248 writes in, hey, this is Nora from 248. You should watch the 39 Steps. Hitchcock in old Hollywood, 1939. Good stuff. I'm going to watch this because I think it's on the Criterion app um, right now. There's a whole bunch of Hitchcock, and uh, I'm going to dive into that. Thank you for the recommendation. 501 writes in, hey, Jake Doe from the 501 favorite Christmas movies. You know, I'm a Nick Cage fan. Love the sentimental, the family man. Kind of a remake take on It's a Wonderful Life. Next up, The Long Kiss Goodnight. If you haven't seen it, give it a watch. I think you'll love it if you don't already. I don't know what that is, but I need to check that out. Thank you. 610 writes in, just plainly Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Best wishes with next year's podcast. You got it, 610. And I want to echo that to everyone out there. I want to say, hey, thank you. All sincerity. Thank you for listening. Thank you for writing in. Thanks for the voicemails. Thanks for the texts. Thanks for hitting us up on social media. Thanks for telling your friends about Disgraceland and Badlands. Thanks for taking part in this conversation, this ongoing conversation that we're going in this community that we've built and we're continuing to build. I mean it, guys. I really appreciate it. And I am truly grateful for what we got going on here. And I hope you all have an incredible Christmas, an incredible holiday. 617-906-6638. You want to talk to me about anything at Disgraceland Pod, same thing. Hit me up there, wherever, Instagram, X, Facebook, TikTok. I am a round. Going to take a quick break back on the other side with some recommendations. All right, we are back. And listen, guys, I need some advice. I need advice from the parents out there, parents with young kids. How young is too young when it comes to showing them content? We've talked a little bit about this in the past, but um, it's really, I'm coming up against it here with my oldest, who's nine years old. And just, uh, you know, my wife's instinct, and God bless her for it, is to be super protective. Not overly protective, but you know, if it's PG-13, she's going to want to know why it's PG-13 before we show it to him. And, and I can get with that because PG-13 means a lot of things. And it depends on when the movie came out too. A PG-13 now is different from what it was 10 years ago. And R now is far different from what it was 30 years ago. So I get that approach. There are some who just, you know, shelter their kids and that's fine too that's also an approach that was not the approach that my parents took with me and they barely even took an approach <laughs> i was thinking about this the other night because i was reading anthony bourdain's medium raw and he was blaming his sort of like cynical outlook on life and his fucked up behavior and the bad decisions he's he'd made he was kind of doing this in jest but he was blaming his parents for the movies that they let him watch as a young kid. And back then they were much different types of movies and cynical, but in a different way and kind of a masked way. Um, he was talking about old Yeller and uh, I think this other movie called the red balloon, how we saw them as a young kid and they completely fucked them up. And then I started to think about the movies that I watched as a young kid. And not only that I managed to just find my way to on my own, but that my father took me to like to the, th my father took me to the movie theater to see Porky's. <laughs> I was six. I was six years old. Six. I know this is true. I always knew it was, I was young. And I remember I, he got in a lot of trouble with my mom over that one. But uh, I remember going back to my grandmother's house and talking to my uncles who were in high school. They were like, where were you? I was like, oh, I was at the movies with my dad. They're like, what'd you see? I was like, I saw Porky's. They're like, we can't even see Porky's. Anyways, I was listening 
over the weekend to Quentin Tarantino on Brett Easton Ellis' podcast, and he was talking about how Porky's is actually a really good movie. <laughs> Despite being the testosterone-fueled, hard, hard, hard R that it is, and it's basically a movie that I would never show my kid, I started thinking about other movies that I saw as a young kid, and I saw Reds at the same age. Reds! right? It's like an 18 hour movie about fucking communists. My dad took me to, there's like four intermissions in the thing. It's so long. I saw the Godfather. I, I, that one was my mom and my stepdad and they sat me down. I was probably 10 when they explained the Godfather to me and then showed it to me. They explained these sort of the, the brother dynamic and everything. And anyways, my point is I feel like having exposure to these films early and then to the history classes that I took in, in high school and then in college, that's another part of this as well that I'm not going to get into. But I feel like it, it helped obviously form my worldview in a good way. And I don't want my kid to be overprotected. I don't want him to be raised by wolves either, like I joke about as I was raised a Gen X kid, a latchkey kid. But I also don't want him to be completely coddled. So when then he does run into to challenging things in the world, he knows how to deal with them. He'll have at least seen them <laughs> dramatically, perhaps, and know that there's a way that people can deal with these things. So I'm really struggling on what to show the kid. I don't want to fuck him up, but I don't want to fuck him up by not fucking him up either, if that makes sense. So if any of you have a roadmap, parents out there, you got a plan, you got a solution, you got something that's working for you. And I know each kid is different that heavy caveat. Let me know. Let me know what you think. All of this is a long way of saying I showed my nine-year-old trading places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. And you know what? Some of it he thought was funny. Some of it he didn't know what the hell was going on. I feel like it was fine. I feel like I completely dodged a bullet on it. Not dodged a bullet. I feel like it worked. I feel like the thing I'm trying to achieve worked. I know it's a comedy. I know it's a farce almost. But you know, he was able to hang. It didn't fuck him up. Now he's watching Seinfeld with us. And it reminds me of me being a little kid watching Three's Company. He doesn't get any of the dick jokes in Seinfeld, though. And there are a lot of dick jokes in Seinfeld. They're overt, they're over the top, and they're masked in sort of some weird kind of, you know, post-yuppie intellectualism. But they're there. He doesn't, the sex stuff doesn't really hit him unless it's completely overt, you know, when George is talking about being turned on by lesbians or whatever. And he's asking me, you know, why that's funny. <laughs> if anything, this prompts some really interesting conversations. But again, this just goes to the point of I want to know how you guys do it. And uh, it just the Christmas movie thing got me thinking about it because most of my favorite Christmas movies aren't Christmas movies. Trading Places is a Christmas movie to me, like I mentioned before. Godfather, Christmas movie. Goodfellas, Christmas movie. So I guess these are my recommendations not like you guys need me to recommend you The Godfather or Goodfellas or Trading Places, but for those of you who are new to the Disgraceland and Badlands experience, you're getting a taste of the content that makes us tick. And if you got kids and you know how to parent them around and through incredible content as children, hit me up. 617-906-6638. Going to take a quick break. Back in a flash. Oh. 
All right, we are back. Let's recap this thing. Number one, the obvious, our brand new episode on Robert Blake is available in your feed right now. So go check that out. Number two, next week in Badlands, some great holiday adjacent content from Disgraceland. Then in January, we're diving right back into brand new episodes, starting with a new episode on Harrison Ford, the first week of the new year. Number three, over in the Disgraceland feed, we just dropped a new episode on Mariah Carey and a rewind episode from the archive on Derek and the Dominoes. These are both Christmas episodes that you're not going to want to miss. Number four, Call me 617-906-6638. Give me some parenting advice. Let's keep this Badlands movie conversation going. Number five, I get a split. I got other podcasts to record and I have to return some videotapes. So right now, a second dose of bliss from yours truly in honor of this week's Badlands episode, me reading you the script from Lost Highway. Exterior, the Madison house, day. We can see Fred standing at the picture window, looking out, fade out, fade in. Interior, the Madison house, living room, night. Fred is dressed to go out, black sport coat and slacks, buttoned up white shirt. He picks up a music case. A woman comes into the room. This is Fred's wife, Renee. 30 years old, dark hair, dressed smartly, a drink in her hand. Renee, you don't mind that I'm not coming tonight. Fred, what are you gonna do? Renee, I thought I'd stay home and read. Fred looks her over. She's sexy without trying. Fred, read? Read what, Renee? Renee sits down on a couch and sips a drink. Fred comes over to her, kisses her on the neck, which makes her laugh. It's nice to know that still makes I like to laugh. Quit talking and start mixing. <laughs>